One Hour to Live Isaac Berger stood in front of the mirror and tried to admire himself in the uniform. It wasn't easy. He thought he looked like a scarecrow. His hair had fallen out months ago, and all that remained were a few valiant strands here and there, sticking out like weeds on a sidewalk. He'd thought about shaving his head, but that would have been like giving in to his affliction. He wanted the hair to grow back, prayed that it would. He longed for the feeling of his wife's fingers running through it. Oh, that seemed like such a long time ago. The photograph on the security badge made him laugh. The face was his, but the hair was thick and dark. He hated wearing the toupee, but it would only be for an hour. They had given him a name tag. Jerry. Jerry the Waiter. Thirty years at the head of a successful hosiery factory on the Lower East Side, and this is what his life had boiled down to. Jerry the Waiter. Berger squinted to read the full name printed on the security badge. Jerry Smith. Smith? Just look at this face, he muttered as he manipulated his sagging jowls in the mirror. Does this look like the puss of a smith? Maybe a Shapiro, or even a Bloom, but a smith? Two years ago, they would have needed an extra-wide lens to fit his entire face on the badge, but now, with his body withered down to a measly one hundred ten pounds, it fit with plenty of room to spare. He shrugged sadly at that thought, and clipped the identification badge onto his jacket's breast pocket, as he had been instructed. He had pleaded for slip-on loafers, but they told him that all the waiters working the room would be wearing the same style laced shoes. They wanted him to be just another nameless face in the crowd. Security would be tight, they had told him, and even something as unpretentious as shoelaces could jeopardize his cover. But he could barely cut his stake, let alone tie a shoelace. It had taken him what seemed like an eternity to accomplish this elementary task, and as he stared down at his shoes, he felt as proud as a climber who had just scaled Everest without a Sherpa. The belt was last, but before that, he had two more things to do. The manila envelope containing all of his instructions lay next to the phone. On the bed, a week-old newspaper lay scattered across the tussled sheets. The large, bold headline that read, Salvatore Mangioni, found not guilty, was all he could decipher without his trifocals. He knew the details of the article by heart. He took the folder and a pack of matches with him into the bathroom. Lifting the lid of the toilet, he tried over and over again to set the envelope ablaze. His hands were so bloated and his knuckles so gnarled by arthritis, it took him nearly the entire pack to ignite a single match. His hands trembled as the corner of the envelope turned gray, and then to black as the fire finally engulfed it. Once he was secure in the knowledge that the information was destroyed, he flushed the toilet and watched as the embers circled out of sight. What else was left? Ah, yes. He couldn't forget this. Berger chose to store his dreaded toupee in a plastic bag. Every time he slipped it over his scalp, it made a skin crawl. Tipping his head from side to side in the bathroom mirror, he thought he looked ridiculous, like one of those old farts who strutted across the casino floor with a big-breasted chippy on each arm. Who were they kidding? This wasn't hair. It was a beaver pelt. The belt was stretched across the foot of the bed. Size twenty-eight, black leather with a fancy square brass buckle. The disease had shrunk him to a mere size twenty-eight, from a heftier size thirty-six. As he stared down at the short strip of leather, he tried not to think about being half the man he once was. Ignoring his hopelessly crippled hands, he lifted the belt cautiously off the bed and carried it to the mirror, like a surgeon transferring a heart from a donor to its recipient. One loop at a time, 
He intently slid the belt around his waist, careful not to touch the bottom of the buckle as instructed. He didn't realize it until he had finally secured the buckle that he had been holding his breath the entire time. One last glance in the mirror, an adjustment to the toupee, and he was as ready as he would ever be. He checked his pocket for the six quarters he would need for bus fare and the seventy-eight dollars cash they'd given him to pay for the room. Still there. He folded the old newspaper and tucked it away under his arm. He would find a trash bin to toss it in later. Out of habit, he patted down the rest of his pockets. Why was he bothering? Money no longer had any meaning to him. His identification was a sham. Isaac Berger no longer existed. He took one last hard look around the room. Everything seemed in order. He took a deep breath and flipped off the lights. The darkened room turned into a carnival of blinking colors reflected from the street below. As his eyes welled up from the awe-inspiring kaleidoscope of lights dancing across the walls, he heard his father's disembodied voice whispering something to him from his distant childhood. Happiness is the only good. The place to be happy is here. The time to be happy is now.